Hello, thanks for joining us on the Cats by 90 podcast brought to you by SB Nations, a sea of blue. Big Blue Drew, Aaron Gershon here, and just like, I don't even know where to start tonight. There's so much news, January 13th, from football to basketball. Um, man, but first, let's start here, Aaron. How are you doing, man? You getting settled in with everything, and what's up? Yeah, man, definitely getting settled in with everything. Uh, busier than ever, but a good type of busy, but all, all things considered, doing well. And uh, yeah, like you said, trying to keep up now being a couple hours away is uh it's been difficult. There's been a crap ton going on over in Lexington. It just seems like everything has picked up a ton. Like, I feel like when I'm going places, there's traffic now. There's people in, you know, just out and about a lot more. Work's picking up. So, uh, like you said, I guess good busy. But from a U.K. sports perspective, I mean, there just really couldn't be more going on. Um, I don't know how much football we're going to get to because on the heels of that, um, you know, blowout loss last night to Alabama, I mean, I got some – obviously some burning basketball takes, but – I'm sure you're probably getting a little exhausted from talking about this stuff on radio, Aaron, because I know you kept a, a tight um, monitoring on all the football stuff, too. So we're just we're just piling on. We have to get through as, as much as we can tonight. Yeah, I mean, right now, it looked like basketball was really – the momentum completely shifted with the season, right? I mean, Florida – the Florida game was all sorts of wonderful. There was really no negative takeaways from that one. Keon Brooks looked as bouncy as ever. He just looked like – where the hell was he? Was he even hurt? That's what it looked like. And then uh, we had what happened last night. But football, for the most part, has been pretty positive ever since uh, the bowl game, obviously, and um, really almost all good news coming out of there. Yeah, from a basketball standpoint, we, you know, we skipped last week, actually, because, you know, we were doing the Wednesday and with the uh, – we had some obvious drama in our country last Wednesday, so we thought it would be kind of a good idea just to take the night off. We did a dad podcast instead with um, Randy Newman from Big Blue Express. Randy's awesome. So if you haven't, please check it out on the same stuff. Make sure you're checking out um, Cats by 90 podcast under iTunes, Spotify, that under AC of Blue. You can find both the podcasts there. But, yeah, I was excited, Aaron, because I was hyping it up, man. I mean, Kentucky had a real chance between the last time that we talked, which would have been a little approximately two weeks, to be sitting 4-0 in the SEC at sole first place. And just total transformation. I mean, now you're talking about seeding and, you know, you know how this team could potentially put games together late in the spring and make a deep run. And then last night, just the complete, rever you know, revert back to just those awful, awful habits and just consistent poor play. I mean, nothing you can really hang your hat on from a positive. And even Keon Brooks getting reintroduced, like you mentioned. And, and last night, it seemed like they thought he was, you know, trying to, I think, do a little bit more than he's capable of. I think he needs to be a compliment. Um, which is what we thought he would be to these two guards. But I don't know, a lot to digest with basketball. And I just can't imagine feeling as positive as I did um, even, you know, a few days ago after the Florida win to just back to reality of this team's just not very good. Yeah, it's just not very good is right. I mean, Alabama <laughs> definitely was the toughest team they've played so far in conference. And um, Flor obviously Florida is pretty good every year, but this year is really nothing special. And, Obviously, the terrible circumstances has taken away arguably their best player in Keontae Johnson. But, um, yeah, Alabama just handed it to them. And it, it, Alabama's one is really, really good. And you got to give Nate Oates a ton of credit. He's pretty much transformed uh, that um, program in one year, or he's in the second year, uh, toward the top of the SEC in what was supposed to be a pretty damn competitive SEC. And they're 5-0 and in conference player, 4-0, whatever they are now. And Kentucky didn't look anywhere on Alabama's level, which is 
concerning for a lot of reasons, but mostly just so disappointing that they couldn't bring that momentum home. You would think playing in front of their home crowd again. And, you know, you got to definitely think about what happened with Ben Jordan. That had to have had some sort of emotions. I know only a couple of guys from last year are back, but anytime you have to deal with that the same day of a game at home, it can't be easy. But you would think that if anything, they'd get positive energy just wanting to, you know, go out and win for him, if anything. I mean, I understand being upset, but a lot of the guys there last year just simply weren't around for him. I know they're picking up the teammates that were, but still uh, an emotional day all around. But you just got to protect your home court. That's what it all comes down to. And this Kentucky team has been historically bad at that. They lost to Richmond. They lose to Notre Dame. And last night, I think it was the worst home loss in the Calipari era as far as the point differential. Yeah, I mean, you're right. But from a letdown standpoint, and it just obviously absolutely just awful news about Ben Jordan. Somebody, we, we've even tried to get on the podcast a couple of times, and it just didn't work out. So terrible, terrible. I think everybody in the Big Blue Nation still just kind of taking that in and, and uh, feeling terrible for everyone involved. But this team had just shown so many of those, you know, bad habits previous to that. And, again, it kind of just, just slapped you back down to reality because before, I guess, we get into, like, kind of specifics and granular stuff that's wrong with this team, which we could talk about all night. I mean, from a philosophy standpoint, like you hit on Alabama. So last night, I think that, that was kind of a big like uh, collision course. The, the big blue nation was on, which was meeting a team coached by a guy like Nate Oates, who just plays a fun brand of basketball. And Aaron, oh. have you seen the shot chart for Alabama, the screen uh, graphic of the shot chart? I didn't get to, but I did know just that was their MO coming into the game uh, that they just let it loose and they shoot from everywhere and they make at will. And what was so impressive about what Alabama did last night is Herb Jones, their best player, played eight minutes because he got hurt. And you have, you know, Petty, a guy who's been there forever, it feels like, scored 23, step up, and Shackelford played really well. Primo played really well. And you could tell that team just had so much confidence in themselves. You saw Calipari had that quote about a player. I, I, I noticed it on TV that Calipari was laughing on the bench down uh, a zillion in the late in the second half, and I was kind of curious why. But he explained that it was an Alabama player that came up to him and said, "Hey, Cap Cal, what's the score?" Uh, and I actually think that's just a, it's just, it's not even cocky; it's just a sign of confidence, and that that team is having fun and getting loose. And you saw their bench staying into it and going crazy when they let the walk-ons play at the end of the game. I mean, that's what it's all about so Nate Oates has them not only like you said playing a fun brand of basketball but they're buying in they're having fun doing it during this COVID year where a lot of the things are oh it's not even fun this year playing is not fun because there's all these rules there's less people in the building it doesn't feel like game day well don't tell Alabama's basketball team or football team that obviously the national champs but definitely don't tell the basketball team that because that looked like a team that genuinely enjoyed the process that they have been going through this year. Yes, yeah, it's, it's the style and the way that they play, and that's what I was getting at. So the, the shot chart, Aaron, is like – so, yeah, obviously they shot a lot of threes, but it's like an NBA-style shot chart, like no mid-range. I mean, all you see is like maroon makes in the paint and maroon makes and misses on the perimeter. Like that's it from their shot chart. It's just unbelievable. And really, you know, Kentucky just misses all over the board. So it really sparked, I guess, the debate. And, again, that's why I said a collision course of like – 
the Big Blue Nation just really being kind of fed up with, like, why can this team, you know, a Kentucky basketball team only be able to muster up in the mid-60s seemingly every game? So I noticed this week, Aaron, so if you take away the Moorhead State game, this is kind of their point totals, like, through the, you know, the mid early to mid-portion of the season. 64, 62, 62, 63, 63. Like – it's like, it's, I mean, it sounds like you can't do that, you know, even if you tried. I mean, they scored 62 or 63 points, I think, in five straight games. It's just, man, I, I just don't get it. I, and I say this all the time. I would much rather see Kentucky as a whole, not just this season. Like, if they're not going to have guys that can are skilled enough to, you know, run plays in the half court and get quality shots and, more importantly, knock them down, then let's just run up and down the floor and play games in the high 80s and whatever that looks like, it looks like because – this is just exhausting to me. You know, it comes down – I hate to put it on individuals, but it comes down to two players at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. It's Terrence Clark, who obviously the last four games gets a pass because he hasn't been out there, uh, and B.J. Boston. Uh, they've been – when playing, both of them have been brutal. Boston had obviously his best game of the year comes against Florida, which everything seemed to go right for Kentucky. But, man, he is just not – anything what we thought he would be and you feel bad for the kid because he's trying as hard as you see the effort is there with him he's just not getting it and it's not clicking for him and he's definitely not living up to that top five pick that he was projected to be coming into the season and being the guy for Kentucky this year so they haven't gotten that from him they haven't gotten much from Clark when he was healthy and those were the guys they expected to kind of turn the engine loose and be the guys to you know, be operating this team and be building around. And instead, you know, credit Dante Allen, who's played pretty well in his minutes, especially against Mississippi State, of course. But he wasn't expected to be that guy. He wasn't even really expected to play much. And they're relying on him to be a key shooter for this team. They're relying on Keon Brooks to come back, maybe when he's not even ready, like you alluded to. Maybe he's trying to do too much too soon. Um, and we're rolling him into a big role right away. Olivier Saar and Isaiah Jackson have had extra pressure. I mean, it was supposed to be Boston, Terrence Clark feeding these guys and being the leading scorers every night, and it just hasn't worked out. And part of that's on the players for not getting it, and it's also part of, partly on Cal for miscalculating them, whether it be through recruiting, whether it be just roster building and thinking those two would be enough to kind of be the stars and then everyone else works around them. But those two things combined, I think, are, are the reason we're looking at a four and seven team that is not likely going to make the tournament unless they have a hell of a run or win the SEC tournament. Yeah. And then, I mean, I guess it, it all goes with BJ Boston, like you said. So follow us on the cats by 90 Twitter page at cats by 90, put that out this morning. So BJ Boston has the worst field goal percentage of, of any player on the team. Also shooting the worst from um, behind the arc, you know, in general at uh, just under 17%, but leads the team in minutes played. And he's taking 41 more shots than the next closest player. So I completely get Calipari riding with this guy because you just went through it all. And we don't have to do it. We've done it so many times. And like he had, he needed to be the guy. We thought he was the guy. He's not being the guy. So if this team's going to be their best, you know, I understand kind of giving him the, the reins to try to figure it out and you still have to, I mean, you're going to have to the whole season to a certain extent, but when does that stop? And when do you kind of just say, man, you're, you know, you can't just, you don't have that green light, you know, the same green light you did in December moving forward. I think for right. If you want to save the season, the answer is right now. And you kind of saw it against, it worked against Mississippi state, right? They took him out. I don't think he played in either overtime 
And obviously Dante Allen had the game of his life, but other guys chipped into that one too. Devin Askew had a really good game. Um, I believe Saar, I can't remember if Saar played well that game. Someone else stepped up. I think it might have been Saar. Um, but <laughs> they all just blend together now. But um, yeah, I, I think if, you, if you're still serious about this season, it's not like the pros where, you know, you start terribly, you see no light, and you tank. There's no reason to tank in college sports. So if, if you really feel this season can be salvaged and you could eat, you believe if you do what you need to do, you'll make the tournament, it starts now in limiting his minutes and getting him right. Um, maybe just getting him right by giving him a breather and letting him work in practice and not in the game with the pressures there. But if you feel like this season is lost and you're just fighting, you know, doing your best every night and see what the hell happens, then you ride him because he is, I mean, look, Calipari's a better talent evaluator than us do. He looks to have miscalculated this team, but at the end of the day, you want him to play through it so he'll eventually get it. So if you want to go that route and you feel like this season is not going to go very far, you, you keep doing what you're doing with him. But in my mind, if you want to start winning games, uh, temporarily just sit him down or limit his minutes and let him work in practice in low-stress environments, and then maybe it'll translate to the game. Yeah, and then that kind of begs another question. And I kind of thought this a lot earlier in the season. I mean, at what point, like, so with Terrence Clark injury, I don't know if you've been hearing anything or not, Aaron. I mean, I'm hoping that he comes back. But, like, looking at both of those guys, I mean, at what point during this season, I mean, their stock could not have been higher coming into the season. And it seems like with every passing day, it's doing nothing but just plummeting. Um, so I guess what I'm getting at is like, it's playing worse at this point. Oh. I, mean, I definitely have a, a fear of this thing really getting off the rails and uh, potentially having a drastic situation with, with the roster in general. And it's just such a shame, Aaron. I mean, because I saw the fight last night too. Like, and we're, you know, obviously picking apart BJ's game, but like, he was out there fighting last night. I feel like he really is trying to get it. He genuinely thinks that him putting, you know, trying to score the basketball is what the team needs. It's what his game is, is kind of built around. The shots just aren't falling. But it's just such a shame, Lauren, that we can even be having the conversations again about not making the tournament, et cetera, because things, things were really looking up there. And with this team, it's just so much of a confidence thing. And I feel like losing it last night, it's going to be a really hard battle to overcome and accomplish what they need to to, to turn this thing around because time's running out. Yeah, you know, there's so many different layers with the opt-out scenario, and it's definitely something to get concerned about if this thing continues to go south. And I believe Auburn's on deck. I don't know how their record is this year. I know they have the postseason ban, but I'm not – I'm, you know – there's so many different ways to look at it. You know, when you think of opt-outs, you obviously think more toward football uh, than basketball. I mean, maybe that that becomes more of a trend in college basketball, but it's definitely more of one in football. And, you know, Kentucky, it's hard to judge because, you know, with Kentucky football, these kids don't opt out. I mean, you had Calvin Joseph do it. You pretty much had Mark Stoops say, the hell with you, get out. And no one else opted out of the bowl game. Everyone played, and despite like eight guys afterwards declaring for the draft. Um, but then you look across the country at schools like Georgia and all their guys are opting out for their big game in Florida, but they're winning teams and you think the culture is good. So I, for, I want to say it's a culture thing to decide to opt in or out. And it says a lot about Calipari and the staff, but at the same time, uh, it, it is a personal decision and it's a business decision. But look, I guess based on their high school days, and their AAU or whatever, they'll probably find their way drafted or at least get a G League deal. But neither of those guys 
uh, if they were to say right now I'm done, in my mind, would be lottery picks or even first-round picks if they just quit now. In my mind, uh, they need to go play and try to up their stock that way. And if it doesn't work, either come back to Kentucky next year or go play college basketball elsewhere because neither of those guys, I don't think there's anyone on this roster uh, remotely close to being an NBA draft pick right now. Man, what I don't get is when you talk about Terrence – I've seen it, I guess, a little bit more from Terrence Clark as far as, like, finishing at the rim and, and that kind of next-level athleticism and stuff. But, like, as far as BJ goes, I mean, I know he's a prolific scorer in high school, AAU level, and all this stuff. But, like, even when he's on the fast break and I feel like it's just him and another guy, it just never seems like he has it. Like, I have confidence that he's going to, you know, make a great play and finish. It seems like he's always kind of at the last minute contorting his body or changing the shot or kind of making it more of a soft play instead of going up strong. But – Again, with him, the team follows suit as well. Like, so much of this is just confidence, I think. And with every single game that, that passes by, and what are we up to, seven losses or something like that now? Like, it just it's just destroying that confidence. And I don't know really how you get it back and right the ship. But, like, what do you think about Lance Ware? I know, you know, Lance Ware went from starting a couple of games to, to Keon coming back and understandably earning a lot of his minutes. But, like, he didn't even get in or anything. And I, I noticed one time he, like, ran to the scores table, had his stuff ready, and got pulled back. So – I don't know yeah. if he's in the doghouse or what. I don't really know what to make of that. It's a good point. He, he definitely had a couple of solid games, mostly rebounding the ball. And then, like you said, Keon's come back. You know, Jacob Topin, uh, the numbers aren't flashy at all. They're not NBA numbers. But he's, I think he's been the most consistent player on this team, which is this is a guy who was supposed to willingly sit out this year because he's an undergraduate transfer and he wasn't even going to apply for a waiver. And then, you know, they were handing him out for free this year. So he's been the most consistent guy and he's definitely deserved at least bench minutes consistently. So I think he top Toppin not a starter, but already kind of ahead of Ware in that four position, even though Ware did get a few starts. But, you know, Isaiah Jackson starting to play a little better again. Olivia Starr is not going to come out no matter what happens. So, you know, it comes down to Brooks, Topin, and uh, Ware. And with Brooks back from injury and being the returner, uh, there's no excuse to keep him off the floor. And Topin's consistent every time he goes out there where Ware is hot and cold. And I think that's probably the reason why he's on the bench right now. Well, this is one of my burning hot takes too, Aaron, is that, like, I, I agree. Like, Jacob Topin's playing great. He, you, can, you can just tell the, the passion, the drive. He's going to be a really good yeah. college basketball player. I just can't fathom though and I can't grasp and I can't accept I guess this the certain lineups that Kentucky has on the floor at certain times it's like oh. we're not in a should not be in any type of rebuilding phase you know where we have guys out there that just can't score the basketball it it just can be super frustrating man so I, I just don't know how you fix it in the short term I really don't know how you fix it in the long term I know Reed Shepard's a baller sneaking that in that guy is just an absolute insane talent out um, if you haven't, do you know much about Reed Shepard, Aaron? Totally changed topics. No, I actually, the name rings a bell, but I don't know much at all. So Jeff Shepard's son who plays second take, I believe he's just a sophomore. Oh. I mean, just been absolutely torching, dude. Like over 40 points a game, I think, uh, a couple times at least this season in the, in the early point of the season, like high-flying dunker. So he's, he had, plays at North Laurel High School in, in Kentucky. So he has to be on Kentucky's radar. And I think you'll, you'll increasingly see that pressure over the next few recruiting cycles, I think, to look for some hometown guys, recruit some shooters. You already have Justin Powell at Auburn, who Kentucky has next. Um, I don't – I haven't heard – I know Justin Powell's not playing, correct? I know he has, like, some type – he's waiting for clearance or something. 
Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on at Auburn this year. And remember, they put the self-imposed ban, so there isn't really much to play for. So I don't really know exactly what's going on with them, but just looking at them now, right now they're up on Georgia, 82-68. It's really spread out. They don't really have – I guess Cooper has 19, Johnson 10, a bunch of guys with nine and a bunch. Yeah, you know – hold on, hold on. You you know that's my guy, Aaron. We've talked about Sharif Cooper a lot on the Cats by 90 podcast over the last probably 18 months or so. He's a guy I really wanted at Kentucky. Was glad he came to the SEC, then was super bummed that it looked like he wasn't going to play at all. Came back, um, I guess last game was, was his first game before tonight at like 26, 29 points or something. So I'm pretty terrified with um, Kentucky's just complete inability to show that they can keep anyone in front of them. Like I'm genuinely terrified that Sharif Cooper could, you know, have 30 plus points on Saturday because he is just, going to feast on just blowing by guys or at least facilitating so it's just man there's just so many deficiencies this team has yeah and often mention of cambridge with 14 and remember actually but record wise george is the better team this year uh you have auburn six and six it looks like they'll be seven and six after tonight georgia seven and four it doesn't show their conference record this second but yeah look there's at the end of the day kentucky proved they're better than florida they're slightly better than Vanderbilt, and they're slightly better than Mississippi State if we're going based on the results, and they're nowhere near Alabama. So it's hard to put them over many teams in the SEC, just given the fact I listed off two of the teams in State and Vanderbilt that were expected to finish last and second to last in the conference this year, and one took them to double overtime, and Vanderbilt found a way to lose another game at Rupp Arena. It seems like every year Kentucky uh, gets lucky with Vanderbilt Vanderbilt handing them a win. So, you know, outside of that Florida win, there's just not much to there's just not much to be excited about. And if they can somehow, like you said, contain Cooper, which I don't think they're going to, and beat Auburn and take it from there, I think that'd be great. Um, but even then you're five and seven. Yeah, I'm anxious. I think I might actually get to go to the LSU game, Aaron, and cover the game for a sea of blue. So I'm, I'm kind of excited to see, I guess, the crowd atmosphere a little bit and just the, the feel of the game. Um, and and I, I know Dick Vitale was harping on that last night. Like, the more I think about this, like, we've covered a lot of SEC road basketball games. That is by far the toughest challenge that a Calipari coach team ever has. They're brand new. Every road game for Kentucky in the SEC is pretty legit from a just a chaos standpoint in general, far more than – I think playing at Rupp Arena, the advantage that they get. So, like, I mean, if you were talking about this, this being, like, a true road game over these next few, like, I mean, that, that to me, like, changes the spread considerably because they're not even having to deal with that because I can't imagine this team has proven to be, you know, relatively mentally weak dealing with some of those road environments. Yeah, and look, the last thing I want to do is get into politics right now, but the home court hasn't exactly been with them this year with a lot of different things. And I, I don't think it's fair, but I don't get into it. But the home court at Rupp, at least I haven't been in the building yet, but from TV and obviously social media doesn't sound as into this team as they are other ones. And you understand from a basketball perspective only, you understand it because they're not winning. And this fan base expects to win a national championship every single year. And we're in a COVID environment. And you're, why would you go risk seeing them when they're not very good? I totally understand that. So, look, I mean, their two better games in SEC play have been on the road. So maybe that's just what they need is to get out of Lexington and get away from those distractions just given uh, their play so far because they weren't great against Vanderbilt. They won, but they weren't great. And their other games at home this year were what? They beat Moorhead, which they should beat anywhere, any day. 
you lose to Richmond, you lose to Notre Dame. I mean, it, Rupp has not been friendly to them this year. It's not, it hasn't been a house of horrors like it normally is for opponents. Yeah, we didn't even talk, hit on it too much. I think you've mentioned it briefly, but worst loss at home in the Calipari area. I mean, they ended up getting beat by 20. And it's just painful, man. I don't really remember, I guess, maybe a little bit in that 2012, 2013, um, I guess quite a, quite a bit that season where you just feel helpless. And it's just it's painful watching a Kentucky basketball team worse. just get ran off the court, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I think this, that, this is worse because, look, you kind of had – I don't – it's Kentucky. You don't want to make excuses, but your best player – who ends up being drafted third overall, even after his injury in Noren's Noel, was hurt. And you kind of knew, understood why they weren't very good in that second half, because they lost their guy. Uh, this year, they have everybody. I know Clark and Brooks have missed some time, but there's so much talent. You know, we hit on this in the preseason. Maybe this team has more depth than any Kentucky team under Cal. Uh, I think five five-star guys. The talent is there, but it's not clicking. And I think that's that's even more frustrating than going to the NIT without your best player. Well, as far as philosophy goes, and I, I admit that I had this take early in the week. I meant to like jot it down because uh, as much as I, I want to punch through a wall, like I'm just the kind of the culmination of all this one and done and revamping the roster and banking on these new players. But like, let's go like year by year, year by year in the tournament is makes a case for itself. But let's look at this from this team's perspective. He had the five guards, lock, five stars locked and loaded. They didn't work out. And he has a team of four stars that he's putting out there. The guys like Lance Ware, Cameron Fletcher's here that you want to see stick around. Devin Askew now for all, for all intents and purposes. So it's like, what really do you, more do you want the guy to do? Like he had the five stars locked up. They're not performing. And now he's putting out those type of players that for years they've been saying, hey, let's get some guys that'll stick around. Well, they're here and they're trying to learn and figure it out. And it's just been a, a brutal experience. I think what that probably tells you is put the stars away. Uh, maybe you just need different type of players. I, I don't really know what yeah, that's shooting. Is. Maybe shooting. I think maybe. that's what everyone's harping right. on, you know, shooting. And yeah. um, I mean, does he even know, I guess, how to, to recruit a certain type of shooter that you're going to need in, in college basketball? Because, I mean, they're very few and far between, I, I think, in the five-star guys, when you just get a guy that's just, you know, a, a lights-out shooter and just somebody that's going to be guaranteed to come in in college basketball game, spot up and make shots and, Kentucky just – I mean, they need that. Let me check their three-point percentage for the season. Oh, it's just, so it's I think they, they finally worked their way up, I think, to about 30. Um, but it's just, it's just not going to cut it, man. And they're just the like – skill is beating athleticism pretty much in, in all of these yeah. games for the most part. Oh, no doubt. If you take away that Mississippi State game where Dante Allen hit like six or seven threes, whatever the hell it was, uh, they'd be well under 30%. They really just had one great game where it was all falling in Florida. They obviously hit it pretty well. But, yeah, I, I think it has to be whether it's a shooting. I mean, that's kind of the – that's where basketball has gone really at every level. Uh, even seeing it now covering some high school three balls or both boys and girls are just – they throw them up. That's the way the game is. I mean, look at what the Brooklyn Nets just did today, trading for Harden with all the three shooters they now are built around. That's just kind of where basketball is at every level. And Kentucky can't shoot the three. They didn't shoot it great from three last year either. Um, they luckily had a great shooter in Tyler Hero, and P.J. Washington had an incredible year the year before that. Um, but still, he kind of, other than Hero, uh, the last couple of years, he hasn't built the teams around shooting. He's built it around athleticism. So maybe you got to find, I think, I still think you got to value athletes. I think Olivia Saar and Isaiah Jackson are going to help any team. And I think Kentucky 
can use one or both of those guys next year if they get a blanket waiver for the seniors um, and Sar would be able to come back. But, like, I like this Oscar kid from WU, but doesn't, doesn't he just feel like more of the same? I mean, it, yeah. it doesn't feel like anything different. Um, not to knock on him. I hope he's successful for his sake. Um, but he just seems like another – it doesn't seem like anything's going to change. Just the way Dude, the what, roster. What a shame so, for um. Right. I think Oscar Shoeboy. I think I don't know. I'll work on that over the next few months. But um, it, it's what a shame for that kid, Aaron. I mean, he he comes. Everyone wanted him. They wanted him last time. We wanted him this time. Tough, hard nose. You know, potentially uh, you know, forcing the pain in college basketball. And like within like less than twenty four hours, just based off Kentucky's performance, the way that they lost, everyone was like what is this guy going to do for us? Like, it's just more yeah. of the same, you know, we don't need any more brick shooters. So that was kind of unfortunate for him. He did, he had a short lived commitment. Yeah. That's kind of how I felt the entire way. I think a guy that they really could have benefited from is more like an Adam Kunkel, the kid who uh, transferred over to Xavier and has been outstanding up there this year. I forget where he was. I want to say it was, um, Belmont, the Belmont kid, Kunkel. He was, he's the type of guy they need. Yeah. He's just a guy shoot it and he could and he gets a lot of steals on the defensive end they need more of that they need more of the scrappy guys who can shoot and make plays on the defensive end with takeaways and they don't have that and I think that's what Cal should be looking more at I mean again I hope this kid Oscar I, I'm not even going to try the last name right now but um, I hope it works out for him um, and for this program but it, even when the, unlike the fan base who was going crazy when they made that move it was kind of you know great numbers in the big 12 I really respect uh, Coach Huggins in West Virginia, but what 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 is different about this kid that Isaiah Jackson, Olivia Saar can't do? I mean, the numbers are all all similar. It's so comparable to the to the football scenario too. With like you know, then you got to look at it from the other side. Like, why would wide receivers really be looking hardcore at coming here? Why would shooters, you know, kind of look at the offense we're running and, and ultimately decide to make that decision? But Mark Stoops, you know what Mark Stoops did, which was to his credit, he goes and hires a different type of NFL coordinator because he knows sure. they have to evolve. And that's something – so good credit. That's a really good point. Mark Stoops did just that. You bring in so, three different – well, obviously, offensive line doesn't count because the Schlarman would be here forever because he was the best. But you hire a new running backs coach um, and a new quarterback slash offense coordinator because you want to put more focus on throwing the ball because that's the way fo football's evolved. And the running backs coach Singleton has history working with uh, receiving backs. So you really, you're evolving. And that's what Cal needs to do. I don't know if it's, you know, a philosophy just on him. I don't know if he needs to take one of the assistants off staff and shift that direction or hire an assistant who knows shooting. But something, some philosophy thing has got to change. And that's the difference right now between football and basketball. The football team is evolving with it. And they're sticking with what they do best at the same time, which is winning in the trenches and keeping uh, the defensive staff the way it is. Agree. Um, since you mentioned brought up football a little bit, um, I didn't want to get much on it because it's going to be stale news very fast being it's like Wednesday night here. But Wandale, man, are you hearing anything? Everything was looking so good for him to come home. Uh -huh. and, man, bring some excitement. And now it just seems like over like the last six, eight hours, um, Purdue's trending and things aren't looking as good. Have you heard anything? Yeah, I, I would – if I had to put my money on it, I'd expect them to go to Purdue. Uh, Jeff Brom uh, has such a good selling tool for him, which is I will use you just like Rondell Moore. Right. And all Exactly what we were just talking about, right? We were just talking about that. Yep. Um, you know, and they can only they can only sell hope right now on both ends. Like, 
Liam Cohen can only sell, you know, hope that his newly implemented offense is going to yep. work in the SEC and get these, get these guys some exposure and some touches of the football. And same thing with Cal. I mean, if you go to one of these guys, you have to assume that, um, I guess, a less, lesser athlete, you know, might be worried about getting buried on the bench from, from that aspect. So I've said for years, I went through it too, just kind of wrapping this thing up, that I don't really know what he does. I mean, he had some five-star guys. I think now you can at least specifically call attention to Calipari needs to get shot makers in the game, you know, guys that are just coming out of high school or transfers or however you're going to do it that um, are just bona fide shot makers from deep and then kind of restructure around that. But um, all that matters now is trying to get some more wins in the, in the win column. So they have, uh, again, Auburn on Saturday, and that's a, kind of a make or break one like, like the next five or six are going to be if they don't go on another win streak. I'll tell you what, I hate playing the game of who's going to be next after Cal, but can Nate Oates get on that list? Uh, <laughs> That's what the theme last a, night. That's the guy they need. Yeah, he's a good personality, too. Be, he'd be fun to have in there. Mm-hmm. But, man, just a whirlwind of news. So, uh, good stuff, though, tonight, man. At least, at least we're feeling – we have some pulse. I mean, all summer, even in the early fall, we, we just wanted to feel something. And even though a lot of it's pain, misery, and um, kind of in some ways uh, disgust, I guess, watching a lot of this – at least we're feeling something. The cats are out there, and um, hopefully COVID um, keeps it and remains that way. And this entire conference schedule can get played in, in the tournament in Indy. And, and Kentucky's there and present and representing. Yeah, and what I'd still say is on the football front, I still think overall this offseason has been excellent, even if Wandell doesn't come. I think uh, Liam Cullen's going to be exactly what the doctor ordered. I really like the other coaching staff moves. And, you know, you lost a lot of guys to the NFL, but you also got, you know, two offensive linemen, Darian Kennard back. Um, and you look at the SEC next year, man, and uh, obviously it's going to go through Alabama like it always does. But it's, again, there's a lot of parity. a and M's going to lose a ton. Florida's losing a ton. They're not going to be that good next year. Uh, it's probably Georgia's division to win, but Kentucky should be right there again. Um, so they're the t- – really, the, it's amazing what's happening to this school, but they're the program you feel good about right now. Yep, no, I agree. That positive momentum was everything, and they needed it so bad. And we talked about that pretty much every game since before the the game before the Alabama game on was just finding any positives to take to the offseason. And we're real close to that point uh, being the same thing for John Calipari and the basketball Cats. But had to just hang on and see, and we will definitely catch up next week, Aaron. Hopefully the Cats can get a win, and we can kind of start talking again about uh, fighting their way back into the tournament. But stay safe, have a good week, and uh, appreciate everybody listening to the Cats by 90 podcast.